the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to The Next Generation with me, your host, Victoria Cece. This is your podcast to learn about all the cool things Italians 30 and under are up to in the food and wine scene. And yes, that includes all the best things to eat. Hello, 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 ragazzi. We are back in the podcast booth. Today we have a lovely local guest. We have Giovanni of Tenuto. Da Monte Gradella. Yes, correct. <laughs> Today is not my day of remembering things, but I'm really excited to talk to him. He's young and apparently fresh out of Argentina. <laughs> exactly. Just came back in June. I did the harvest there. Amazing experience. I worked in Uco Valley, that is close to Mendoza. So a lot of Malbec, Cabernet Franc, and some Pinot Noir as well. Oh, fantastic. And not to confuse anybody, of course, Giovanni, you have a family business here in Verona. Exactly. Wonderful. That's what brought you back here. And well, because this is the next generation, can you tell everyone how old you are? I'm 27. Oh, you are a baby, just like me. It's fantastic to talk to someone the same age because there's always so many moving parts, especially when you're doing so many cool things. So can you... Tell me that you're under 30 mm-hmm. without saying you're under 30. Like one thing about yourself. I like natural wines. Okay, that wins. That's the, yeah, that. I like natural wines. <laughs> I mean, if they're well made, if they don't think too much, yeah. No, but it, it's such a good one because it's that's the age we're in right now is it's like, do you hang in the bar and drink natural wine? Mm-hmm. You, you know, then you're totally over like 30. <laughs> it's like, okay. No, I'm kidding. In Rome, there's like a huge influx of like bars opening up that it's like music and natural wine. Mm-hmm. And it's quite fun because whether, that you know, you enjoy how the wine is made or not, it's still like this really convivial atmosphere and everyone oh, yeah. gets together and you just feel happy. Even if you, you're a wine professional like us, it's you're like, okay, I know what's flawed with this wine, but you know what? There's other wines and there's cool people. Yeah, yeah. Um, then it depends. Like everything, you can find good natural wines, bad natural wines. But let's say my project is to make wine with low intervention. Okay. So So you have a project. Yeah, that's why I came back. So after I graduated in France, I went to California, Napa, and then to Argentina to learn and and be a winemaker somewhere else. And my project was to come back and take the family business. Now we just sell grapes, so we're not making wine. But my project is to start making wine in one year, one or two years. Yeah. Awesome. And so what is that? Like, how do you envision that project? Like, what is it inspired by? But it's inspired by, I will say, from my passion. I like wine. I like to drink wine. I like to talk about wine. So obviously, I like the, the vineyard life and I like growing grapes. But I feel like that I'm not complete. Instead, if I can make my wine, I can express myself 100%. So that's why I want to make my wine. I like that. I, I really like that because it's there's so much obviously human intervention in winemaking, especially if you have such a passion for it. That there has to be your essence in it, like of and course. without that. And so, tell me a little bit. So, you said that your family now just sells grapes. They did make wine in the past. They did, yeah. My my grandparents, mm-hmm. but then they quit, and we continue selling grapes. 
and so I I still have the place, but I have to buy all the tanks and yeah. renew everything, you know. But that's the project too. That's fantastic. So, what was it like growing up in a family that uh, was, you know, taking care of vineyards and producing fruit? Oh, amazing! I mean, hard work for sure. So hard times yeah. during the harvest. <laughs> But it can teach you a lot, especially working in the agricultural field. It can teach you a lot. I mean, you have to respect the nature. You cannot demand too much from the nature. You have to give in order to receive back something. So hard work always pays you back, I will say. Absolutely. And like, I think you probably have like permanent calluses on your hands. Like you're born with like these, which is like, I mean, it's so good. Once you get over the pain of the calluses and everything, it just, you feel like kind of like the Hulk. Yeah, it's like you're like super strong. I know. Because I've only, I've done two harvests and then one was like more about the picking, which was when I was in Tuscany. But then I did one in California, actually. I was in Sonoma. Oh, okay. I was like the, you know, the intern. So I was doing everything. I was cleaning tanks. I was I in the, yeah. And I swear, I, but I can say I've never cut myself. But I've only done two hours. So it's um, like, yeah. You've been lucky. I cut myself so many times. <laughs> but even California was an amazing experience. I mean, the, the different approach compared to making a harvest in Italy was different, but super cool. Was that your first time spending, uh, like, a long period outside of the Veneto, or...? No, my first time was during my bachelor degree in Milan. I did a six-month exchange program in Spain, in Andalusia. That was um, really, really important for me because I understood how many people that are passionate about wine that are around the world. So that was the first experience that I had, and I decided to have more experiences abroad because I can, I mean, winemaking is the same everywhere, but you can always learn something different, you know, and about the culture, the food, the the grape varieties, the the landscape and everything. So I think wine is a mix of everything. Absolutely. Actually, you make me want to go back to, like, not physically, but like the discussion of Argentina, because obviously Argentina has like a huge history of the Italian immigrants, right? They have a very different wine culture there. While being in Argentina, was there anything interesting for you as an Italian? I know it, you know, Italy is not uniform in culture. Everything's different where you are. But like you went and you were like kind of surprised. Like you were like, wait, this is something that reminds me of home. Of course. Yeah, the people, I will say. Yeah, yeah, the people. The, um, it was hard work in Argentina, but always good vibes, you know, <laughs> making fun of each other, but in a good way. So the team was amazing, the people as well. You can see Italian culture, I will say, more if we talk about the food rather than the wine, because there they still have like big French uh, influence, you know, international varieties like Cabernet, Pinot, Malbec. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the people, how they are in Argentina, they really remind me Italy. Are you enjoying this podcast? Don't forget to visit our YouTube channel, Mama Jumbo Shrimp, for fascinating videos covering Stevie Kim and her travels across Italy and beyond, meeting winemakers, eating local food, and taking in the scenery. Now back to the show. Was there like a like one story you can tell us about? Well, I don't know. There are so many, but <laughs> every time we, we used to put music, have fun, work a lot, 
but the, the vibe was really it reminded me my harvest in Sicily for example really yeah yeah people that are really welcoming they will invite you home for dinner so yeah. that's what I like I think that's one of the most beautiful things especially like in Italy is like the hospitality isn't something that's only to the hospitality industry it comes from the family and from like wanting to share things and wine is such a big part of that like entering the door and like you know it's on the table and it's a way to open up and like and I was just talking about this last night with one of my colleagues you don't want to dive into too much of the details you want to see how people feel when they're sharing that bottle with you because that's ultimately what you remember like of course you'll respect the quality of the wine you'll remember the details because of the experience that's the beauty of wine industry going all over the world and but you realize we're all the yeah we're all the same you yeah. know at yeah, the yeah. end of the day I agree I agree I agree because the culture they can be different obviously Italy California Argentina But when you're sitting at the table and you're talking about wine with somebody that is really passionate about wine, you can see actually the same vibe, you know? You can feel the same vibe. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and where did you harvest in Sicily? In Sicily, I was working in Rapitala. So, was in between Trapani and Palermo. was my second harvest, actually. A really, really nice experience. I went there because it was a suggestion by... A friend of mine, Andrea Leonardi, he was kind of my mentor. I met him because of my uncle. And I did the first harvest of my life with him in Tuscany. And then he suggested me to go to the, for the second harvest to Sicily. So it was really, really nice experience. And he helped me a lot. So through my enology, how can I say, path, yeah. he helped me a lot. So, yeah. And is that kind of how you found out about Wine to Wine? Uh, wine to wine, uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm from Verona. Oh, true. So, okay, fair. Yes. Yeah, that, that helps. Fair, fair. That's a big detail. <laughs> I was trying to get a little bit more of a philosophical answer. <laughs> It's like, I live, I'm from here. I'm like, true. I obviously want to stay on the wine track, but I do have one question going back to Argentina really fast. What are your thoughts on Argentinian pizza? Oh, my God. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I really... To be honest, I want you to be honest. I think that... They have their style. I respect that. I will still eat pizza in Italy. But they have really good asado. Oh, asado yeah, is amazing, asado is amazing, obviously. <laughs> But pizza, leave it to us, please. Yeah. I, all the meat, like Argentina, do what you want, have fun. But <laughs> then it's like, yeah, the pizza, you're just like, hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there are some good pizza places. But I'm talking like average. Yeah. I will stay with Italian pizza. <laughs> the, the default. No, I totally understand. But the thing is, though, we all have to agree That when it comes to, you know, when you're a little bit drunk and it's two, three in the morning. Oh, yeah. No. You, you don't see anything else. No, no. I can eat. I can definitely eat Argentina pizza. Yeah, absolutely. I always try to say that, especially like working in the wine industry, because, you know, we go out and whatnot. You know, you get drunk sometimes. And it's like every yeah. time someone's like, you hear your Italian friend getting really serious about a food. See what he eats at 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you just can't, you can't talk anymore. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to, like, continue it, but what's, like, your favorite drunk food? I would say pizza or pasta. Yeah, carbs, I would Carbs, say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, pizza or pasta. Pizza, usually, if I find, that's why I, I always say I love Italian pizza, blah, 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 <laughs> but... At 3 a.m., I will eat every, even frozen pizza, you know. Exactly. So, no, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, pizza or pasta with some friends, cooking oh, drunk. Yes. It can be fun, dangerous sometimes Oh, very as well, dangerous. But fun, so yeah, why not? 
I think, honestly, drunk pasta is one of, like, obviously, don't try this at home, kids. <laughs> but it, it really is one of the best, most creative experiences sometimes because you're just really into it. Definitely. Like, especially if you drink a lot of really good bubbles, like, throughout the night. Ooh. Oh, and then you're like that, like, you're like that Trento Doc High, so you're like, let's go. And then you just create, like, okay, obviously anything really tastes good when you're, like, very drunk at 3 a.m., but sometimes you do create something, like, really good. Like, I created this, like, I love Induya. Mm-hmm. I discovered this, I will admit, when I was very, very not sober. And I only had butter and Induya in my house, and I was like, hmm. A little That's parsley, right. and I just got, I put a lot of butter in there. <laughs> and in the panda, so I was like, okay. And it was like the best thing, and now I eat it all the time. I'm like, is never not in my house. Yeah, you see? You discover a new dish. Yeah, and it was so simple and affordable. A lot more affordable than the, the panzerotti these days. Oh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> Especially here in Verona, it's not like in Puglia. In Puglia, you can have really no. good panzerotti at affordable price. Here in Verona, it's the opposite. <laughs> yeah, they like look at how drunk you are, and they're like, that's going to be six euros. Yeah, I, they, they know how to make their business, so yeah, yeah definitely. Did I, you go to school here in Verona? No, I study. I mean, bachelor in, in Milano. I did my bachelor there. And then my master, one year in Montpellier, France, and oh, okay. one year in Madrid. Spain. Oh, wow. So that's a nice little, like, mm-hmm. southern Europe. Yeah. Uh, that was really, really interesting studying in France. I think every winemaker should go in France for at least six months because you really understand. Um, you know, New World is based on French varieties. So if you learn the varieties in France, then it's going to be easier for you to travel and work in the wine industry abroad. You know? That's 100% true. But then Italy, Spain, they have their own varieties and so much history. So it's really important. I love Spain as well. I mean, I mean my first uh, experience abroad studying was in Andalusia. And I fell in love with sherry wines. And most of the people, they, especially young people, I will say, they don't understand these kind of wines. Or maybe they're, they're not everywhere, so you don't have the opportunity to try them. But for me, they're amazing. Marsala as well. Mm. There are these kind of wines. They, they're more maybe for old people, let's say. But I think the the quality is is amazing. Well, that's an interesting point you bring up because some like dessert wine category is something that seems because it is very refined. Like it is like you know you're not people if you're not a wine professional or like somebody who's experienced certain dining you know, establishments, you're not going to immediately have dessert wine at home all the time. Unless someone gifts you a nice bottle. Even then, you're like, I'll save it for Christmas or something. But it is a really important category because not just, like, obviously it's delicious, but the history and also the repurposing aspect of it. Like, it's something that you, if we weren't, I, I hate to, like, this is a bit controversial to say, but if we weren't as modern consumers, like, so privileged to have, like, every, like, different kind of beverage, We'd probably be drinking more dessert wine mm-hmm, yeah. because you'd have to save like what you have. Yeah, I agree. So, I totally agree. And even Sauterne is a yeah. pity. Now nobody drinks Sauterne, but the the quality is amazing. So I hope that this will will change. And I think if we teach to new consumers to appreciate quality, these wines they're gonna come back for sure. Absolutely. And so through your new project, is there a way that you're trying to channel this to try to teach people like our age to appreciate wine in a new light. Yeah, I mean, I want to 
when I, I'm going to sell my wine, obviously I want to, to tell a story. It's not just a, a product that you have to drink while you are eating, you know. I want to, to explain you how my family was cultivating the land and we are organic viticulture. So all these values, we care about the environment. So I want to obviously transmit all these values so that the customer will understand that it's not just a bottle of wine is buying, but it's actually giving a job, giving the opportunity to a young guy to express himself and, and do uh, what he likes. Absolutely, you know, and especially because you're in an area that has such a long winemaking history, has a certain level. I mean, you know, Amarone della Valpolicella is, is like a late, like it's like a Brunello. It's like no one, it's a household Italian wine name. So like to have that fresh blood, and we see it a lot in Veneto. There are a lot of like awesome projects that have come up in the last 10 years. And it makes yeah. me excited because like as an American, there's so much more to learn because oftentimes like people, especially when they travel, they're like so, you know, they don't really put in perspective where they are, which is, it, they don't know, you know, it's new, they're learning. But like for people to kind of be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Venice, but wait, now I'm learning about all these like cool places between Verona and Venice. It's really special because even for me, I, I moved to Verona a year ago and I was like, I never, I've been to the Veneto once. It's on my phone background. Venice when I was like two <laughs> or four, however old I was. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I just never really gave this area like time. And of course, not everyone has like all the time to go, but it opens up an opportunity. Yeah, but that's why communication is important. Yeah. If we, I don't expect that a, a young guy from, I don't know, New York knows every single place of Verona, you know, because obviously you're going to visit the Romeo and Juliet house or the arena. But there are so many things to see and visit, and so it's up to us to explain to the foreigners that they come to our country what we have to offer. Have you ever seen the movie Love in the Villa? No, I know. <laughs> I never saw the movie. I don't recommend it, but it's a Netflix movie based in Verona oh. that everyone was telling me to watch when I lived here, and I finally I, I moved out of Verona, and now I watched it. It's not very good, but they do talk about Valpolicella. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like they integrated that a little bit. Like, they couldn't, which I appreciated. Like, they weren't yeah, going to just stick with the Romeo and Juliet. You see? <laughs> well, it's super awesome. So do you have a name yet for your project? But, yeah, the winery will be named uh, okay. Monte Gravella, okay. like the property we have. So I'm going to just keep it to the um, traditional name with a traditional mm -hmm. name, yeah. I love that. And you said it's organic. So mm -hmm. has it always been organic? We switched uh, 10 years ago. Oh, wow. So we are organic since 10 years, yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Hard work, but it's a philosophy. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well... Thank you so much, Giovanna, oh, for welcome. being on the Thank podcast you. today. It was really fun. And it's also really nice to talk to somebody from Verona, uh, like really from Verona and the wine scene. But it's also, it's nice. But um, I wish you all the luck. Thank you very much. Like seriously, it's, it's I mean that because it's not, it's not easy work. No, and, it's not. And um, you're also reminding people that it's, again, not just, you know, the forward facing and the labels. It's also the work in the vineyard. And so, yeah, I'm excited to see what you do. Thank you very much. Awesome. Ciao, ragazzi. As always, a big grazie for hanging out with me today. Remember, you can catch me on the Italian Wine Podcast every Sunday and anywhere you can get your pots.